Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. What the Proverbs have to say about marriage and dating and relationships. And as I was going through it, you can't really do word studies on Proverbs. So when, what happens is when I'm, when I'm looking at the Word of God and I'm thinking of how to communicate that, I look at the Word of God and then I wrestle with it and I dig into it and then I think, well, how does this, how does this apply to us today? And so I was looking at these Proverbs and I thought, how does this apply to us today about these, these beautiful pearls? And I came up with all these ideas, but then I thought, wouldn't it be very practical to have some couples up here to explain what it was like for them or what it's like for them today? And so that's what we're going to do, is I've asked each of them to join me. And um, in fact, I want to ask this question right away. So what were you, what was, what were you feeling? What were you thinking when you either got the call or the email or the text that said, hey, what about the idea of you coming up in front of everybody and sharing your deepest, darkest secrets of your marriage? So what were you thinking? Just answer that question. Each of you will get a chance to answer it. We thought they had the wrong people. <laughs> the Blums, you have that correct? No, panic. Nobody wants to tell those secrets, man. <laughs> you know? So panic. I just thought because we've been married so long that he was looking for some seasoned veterans, but had no... Uh, <laughs> we are certainly not necessarily qualified to be up here teaching on this subject. I laughed. <laughs> In a lot of different ways. Why did you laugh? Wife of, wife of my youth? <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny because I thought, okay, we've been, this is our 20, almost our 20th year of marriage, and I'm like, we are still working hard, and it's really hard. So it'll be fun to do this, <laughs> I guess. Like, oh, hmm. Was not something I thought. <laughs> fun in a sarcastic way. <laughs> so, so fun was not a word that came to your mind. Okay. So what we do here at Branches is we have, um, for people that are newly married or about to get married, we have a, a group that meets um, for once a month for six months. And then I bring in mentor couples. And when I bring in those mentor couples, and, and all of them have been a mentor couple at one time, the, the requirement is, is that they have that kind of response. Like, you know that's going to be their response ahead of time before they even say it. Um, because if you ever call someone and say, oh, I'm so glad you called me about marriage because I've got this down. People need to listen to me because we've figured this out. Then I'm, oh, you know what? Oh, sorry, you're not going to be able to make it. Because that's not what you want. You notice if, if we were to bring different ages here and you were to really study their responses, it would progressively, they would progressively sound more humble the longer they've been married. Um, if you look at the life of Paul and you look at his letters when he spoke, he started by saying, I'm the worst, um, I'm the, the lowest of the apostles. And then by the end in Timothy, he's like, I'm the worst of the sinners. Like, as you grow, you start to realize more of who you are. And in a marriage, as you're working on that, you start to realize, I just... I thought I knew what I was doing, but the, the more I'm married or divorced or remarried again or, or whatever it is, whatever your story is, you start to realize, I have no clue what I'm doing. The longer you've done it, the more you don't know what you're doing. So the reason they're up here, and there's plenty of you that could have been invited 
because some of you have been mentor couples before, I've been wanting to ask you to, is because we've made the most mistakes, and that's how you become wise. And so as we look at these Proverbs, and, and there's six areas that we cover when we um, have our, our marriage group. And, and by the way, we've tweaked it a little bit lately. We're, we're experimenting with this marriage group that we run outside of here. We've ex- experimented with people that have been married for a while. Because as Stephanie and I have gone through this group and taught it, we learn so much every time we go through it that we thought, shouldn't this be opened up to other married couples? So we're testing it out with newly married and married. So this is our first session doing that. But in those sessions, we go through six major topics. And we're only going to cover four of them today. Um, we're not going to cover family of origin, which is, you know, your background, your family, and how that affects who you are, and then that affects your relationships, and that affects who you want to date. Because this is not just for being married, obviously. This is for dating and marriage. And you need to be thinking about this ahead of time if you're not married at this moment. Um, and your family of origin plays a large part. Um, we will be talking about money. We will be talking about uh, faith. We will be talking about um, sex. I'm just getting that out of the way right now. Let that sink in. Because I know, and, and you can imagine how they felt when I threw that down on the list. Like, what? Um, communication and money. We're, we left conflict resolution out because that's part of the communication, but in our group, we separate it for a reason. So those are the four areas we're going to go through, which are communication, money, sex, and faith. And honestly, I haven't chosen what order we're going to go in. Um, but I've given them these proverbs and some questions to think about, and then we're going to jump into them. So um, the first one I want to start with is communication. So if we could get that slide up there. And these are the proverbs for communication. There are so many that are in the Bible on communication, but these are the, the few that I chose. Um, so Proverbs 18.3 says, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So to answer before you listen is folly and shame. Um, so I'm just going to stop there. For those of you that are the veterans that have made all of these mistakes, have you seen that to be true? To answer before listening that that is folly and shame. And how so? I blow that one up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's mostly because I have a preconceived notion of how the conversation should go. And obviously it's always in my favor. But... Uh, <laughs> So in order to make that happen, I have to cut her off and say, no, this is how it's going to be, or this is the answer I'm looking for. But uh, I often find that she's got pretty good input, and eventually we end up meeting on common ground because she has the calmer frame of mind. Right? Yes, (laughs) Notice how he didn't give her the mic. He just said, there we go, boom, and then pulled it down. (laughs) Um. I guess one of the things that took us a while to realize is that um, you need to stop and listen and hear each other's perspective. Um, It doesn't mean that one's right and one's wrong. It's just a different perspective. And I have an analogy. (laughs) All right, folks, stand down there. Okay, you want me to stand right here? No, I want to stand down here. Are you going to jump on my back? No, turn around. Describe what I'm wearing. Describe what you're wearing. A white shirt and jeans. Okay. Well, I'm supposed to look, yeah. And some black tennis shoes. Steph, describe what I'm wearing. Well, it's a really cute white top with, like, super cute Aztec-y decorations on the back. Jeans. They're not skinny jeans. They're just jeans. And then black shoes. 
That's one thing that we always um, try to remember is listen to the other person's perspective. It doesn't mean that you're right and they're wrong. It's just different. Wow, now you know why she's up here. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble when she put that shirt on this morning. <laughs> I think too, um, I always think about like how I would want, <laughs> how I would want to be heard. Like I, <clears throat> I guess probably because I'm a teacher, so I'm always instructing people, but I always want to make sure that my students are listening and they hear me correctly. So I always think about, okay, wh how would I want, and I think this is really important too, I don't know if Boog mentioned it, but like, this is married couples, but this, this is about relationships, and I think whether you're married or not, the way that you listen to people and the way you talk to people is important in every relationship. It doesn't really matter if you're married or not. So you want to get in the habit of doing it the right way. And we all want to be heard, so we just have to be cautious about how we listen to them. And um, we never want to, be, like I always have in the back of my head, I just never want to be a naggy friend or a naggy wife and want to listen. But I do struggle with <laughs> cutting book off a lot, so I have to like consciously think about how I would want to be heard and how he would want to be heard. So it's something I have to really think about, though, <laughs> a lot. I, I can't remember the last time you cut me off. Um, yeah, this is my biggest, communication, words are my biggest fault. Um, Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So like with all of these Proverbs, we look at them and we go, yeah, duh, but how do you deal with that? How do you, what advice would you have for relationships, marriage, dating, and like, what do you do? What do you do with this? You know it, but what are you supposed to do? Or what have you... I, I need this. Like, I want to know what you figured out. I think I've learned a lot from being a parent, um, and that has helped me with my marriage. Um, <clears throat> I think when I communicate with my kids, the minute I um, attack them with whatever they're doing, if, if and it's the same way with our marriage. If I, if I come at any of them with, with words that, that feel like they're being attacked, they're going to be defensive right from the get-go. And there's the, the communication, line of communication is just cut off. Um, if, I, if I come to them and say, well, this is how I feel, I'm not attacking him or my children. I'm saying, this is how I'm, I feel, and this is how you're making me feel at this moment. And they kind of step back and think, oh, oh, it's not what I'm it's not that she's upset with me, it's that I'm making her feel a certain way. And I've tried to do that with Jeff a lot <laughs> instead of attacking him because I feel like we both get defensive right away. Um, and so just being more gentle, a gentle approach, um, I think has helped us out tremendously in our marriage and also just as a mom. I think when you read Proverbs 15:1, but a harsh word stirs up anger, I'm not sure that necessarily, I mean, it does mean a harsh word, but I could even take it further and go back up to Proverbs 18:3 um, to listen. It's um, what I have found is that in our marriage is listening is so much more important. If I try to answer before 
um, she finishes talking. Sometimes I just want, you know, to get to the bottom line, and she wants to give me all the crumbs on why she got there. But if it, if it, um, if I try to jump in or try to expedite the conversation, I usually find myself in trouble. So it's much better just to listen and to have um, a key word that I came across is empathy, to try to better understand why it is she's feeling what she's feeling and kind of walk in her shoes. That doesn't necessarily mean that I have to agree with it, but at least get her perspective as to why she's feeling that way and just listen. Sometimes I don't even have to say anything, but when I do say something, even if it's in a calm and gentle way, it could be taken as a harsh word. So to get a better understanding, or at least avail yourself to trying to get a better understanding, I think has played out big dividends in our marriage. I'm a fix-it guy. I just want to fix it. You want to? I was going to say that. <laughs> Okay. You sure? <laughs> um, I think the, this part is huge for us because I don't really respond well to anger. And um, so I, like, attend to, like, ah, you know, when someone's angry, I, like, completely shut down and won't say anything. And so I think a lot of times this kind of goes back to last week's message and, like, your matters of the heart and, like, where your heart is and how you respond to others. And um, so I, a lot of times when I get angry, I have to think about, like, why am I angry and why... How should, I, how, how should it come out of my mouth? Like, I really think about that a lot. Like, would it be helpful or hurtful? And so um, I think with us, it's just kind of me just, when I get angry, is just kind of stopping and taking a deep breath and thinking about, okay, I have to do a lot of praying, but I think that's really important for this, to have a gentle answer sometimes means that you really have to, you know, rely on the Lord. Because truthfully, in my heart, I'm, like, ticked off, and I want to yell and freak out and scream, but I just have to, like really cling to him and think about where the Lord is in my heart. And it's hard to, hard to do that in the moment, but I think that's something that, that's part of that hard work part. For me, I have to work really hard at taking a deep breath and thinking about how the Lord would want me to respond and then responding. That doesn't mean that I've gotten really freaked out and angry. But. No, she doesn't. <laughs> that is not true. Um, one of the things that's important to, to, to know about relationships, whether it be dating or marriage, or even with your kids, is it's, it's work. Like, it's big-time work. If, if we are working with a young couple, um, or if we're talking to, even if, we're, if I'm doing counseling for a couple that's been married for a long time, if you can tell they're unwilling to work at this, like, they expect that it should just, it should just work. You shouldn't have to put work into it. This should just be working. Something's wrong. That must mean there's something wrong with us being together. That's not the way it works. Like every relationship takes so much effort and work. You should be tired by the end of the day because that's how relationships are. Because to do just the, only the two that we've gone through so far, to answer before listening, you have to think before you answer. So I can't respond, I have to think, and then I have to listen. And it's just, it's exhausting just to even do the first problem. So just to understand that in this, in relationships in general, it's work. And these proverbs are giving us wisdom on how to move forward, how to work. Proverbs 27.6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So wounds from a friend, I was thinking of this, using this proverb, especially as it relates to your spouse um, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Wounds from a friend, like what does that look like and what does it mean to say that it can be trusted? 
like criticism, like uh, or constructive criticism, however you want to say it nicely. Like, when has that been something that's been a gift? And even though an enemy may give you kisses, you're like, I'm really glad you did this. Was there a time in your marriage or in dating where you went, I'm so glad that this person said that because I had no idea that this booger was hanging out of my nose. And I'm glad that somebody loved me enough to share that. Um, definitely. Um, criticism is always hard to take, no matter who it comes from. Um, and sometimes it seems like it's harder to take even from your mate because you don't want them to dislike anything about you. But um, there's a lot of times I have a super dry sense of humor, um, sometimes very sarcastic, and I forget that. Um, and I think every, you know, whoever I said it to thinks it's funny, and a lot of times it's not funny to them. And Russ has to remind me often that I need to be careful um, with my words and that I, it could hurt somebody, they could take it wrong. Um, and so I'm thankful when he reminds me of that because I forget it all the time. I'm happy to remind her. <laughs> Just so you guys know, we're not going to have every single person answer every question. They may, but they don't have to. So when I feel like we've answered that one, we can move on. Does anyone want to add to that? I think for me, um, like, I would probably be homeless and without a car or anything because I would spend so much money. And so, well, not really, but maybe. Um, <laughs> probably. But, um, <laughs> um, so for us, there's a lot of different things that I think we remind each other of. Um, but one thing for me, I'm so grateful that Boog is, you know, he's really persistent and consistent and loving and how he talks to me about how we spend our money and what we do with our money. And um, it's really hard sometimes because I'm super different. And it's not that I'm spending my money in a bad way, um, but it's our money. It's actually the Lord's money. And um, it is. It's really hard to hear sometimes because I start going, well, guy, you know, I do this and I do that and it's my money, <laughs> you know. Or I know we're not talking about finances right now, but this for me is something that um, it could become it could be hurtful, but he does it in a loving way and, and in a wise way. And he's actually referring to what the Lord's told us to do with our money. And so um, it's, it's not hurtful. It's like, oh, you're right. Oh, crap. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, I, and it makes me so much more mindful about what we do with our money and how we spend it. And, um, and also, I think when, um, when you have a relationship with someone and you feel comfortable to tell them about something that they're doing that isn't very smart or might cause pain to them in the end, um, it's like your relationship gets stronger because of it. And um, there's like this openness that comes when you are allowing someone to tell you if you have a booger hanging out of your nose. Um, that's that's kind of, I think, what the Lord intends for our relationships, that we would be open and willing to, to share with them, like, you could keep doing this, but you might get really hurt in the end. And um, so it is super hard to hear criticism and, and see your faults and know that others are seeing it and you might not be aware of it. But, um, but I'm really grateful because I really like my house and my car and the things that I have because we save money, <laughs> kind of. Says the woman who has a Suburban with 230,000 miles on it. Great car. Um, <laughs> So for us, we do a lot of this. We do a lot of 
helping each other with the blind spots. And one of my biggest ones is um, at times I feel like almost that I have a form of Asperger's in terms of social awareness, like what's happening around me and what I'm saying and how it affects people. And so we'll be in a group or, or, or we're going to go and hang out with people and she'll go, now, did you know you did that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And my immediate response is, no, I, I'm there fine with it. And, and she'll be like, mm, no. And in the beginning, you're like, ah, oh, I must be right. And then as you begin to grow in that trust, you start to go, no, really, tell me. Um, I, I need your coaching. I need you to help me. I'll even ask her, hey, I'm in this situation. What do you think I should do? Or if we're in a group, I'm like, I'm feeling this. I'm thinking before I'm speaking, which hardly ever happens. But I really lean on her in areas of that. I'll, even as simple as like clothes. We've just reached the point of understanding that I have no sense really of what to wear. <laughs> and so someone goes, oh, those are great jeans. I'm like, thanks. But I did nothing. I had no part in that at all. Um, I had this one sweatshirt that I was wearing, and she's like, that can't be worn anymore. Someone left it at our house. I'm like, oh, this is cool. So I just started wearing it, and she's like, it's bedazzled. You can't wear stuff like that. <laughs> and so she went and bought this sweatshirt for Christmas, like Christmas and birthdays. She's taking care of me by getting me things that I wouldn't do for myself, because I'll never go to the store and buy something, but if you leave it at my house, oh, I'll wear it. And so, I mean, that sounds, that's an, just a couple of examples of, of Saving money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, that's an example of just trusting that person and, and, and trusting their perspective. And if you're in a dating relationship, if, you're, if you don't reach that point where you stop trying to look good to them and you, you don't feel safe in front of them, you don't feel safe hearing their critique, and if they don't feel safe hearing yours, you're going to have a long road. And you should think through that ahead of time. Right now, we're going to leave communication, but we may come back to communication because communication is such a critical hinge for all of this. Um, so we're going to move to money. Um, so we'll talk about money. We'll talk about money and sex because in marriage relationships, these are the two that usually cause the most problems. Um, so we'll, we'll go through these. Remember, not everybody has to answer these, but if you feel like you, one of these grabs you because you've lived it, then please share so Proverbs 22.7 says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. So have you found it to be true that credit or debt is, makes you feel like a slave? Any comments on debt whatsoever? So Jeff doesn't really mind well, I wouldn't say doesn't mind debt. We both don't like debt. Um, but recently we had talked about, because we dumped a lot of money into this house. <clears throat> and so recently, we're like, well, how are we going to finish this? <laughs> we'll just get a loan. We'll just get a second on the house. There's so much you know, equity in the house. Let's do it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I don't do that. I don't do seconds. Let's just live without a yard. We're not doing it. And he's kind of looking at me like, why? It's, we need grass. We need, you know, the stuff. And I just don't believe in it. But the nice thing is we, you know, communicate about these things um, openly and honestly. And, um, and he respects 
how I feel and I respect how he feels and we usually come to you know, a, a decision. Um, uh, he would like a motorcycle. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Do you really want a motorcycle? I'd love one. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, that's all I have. No, I've learned a lot from her. her she's very much more business-minded than I am, and I've learned a lot from her as far as finances because we've been incredibly blessed over the years, but now seeing what we, we bought a new home, we're trying to remodel it, and it's been two years. It's been, you know, just an absolute money pit with things that we <laughs> couldn't see coming at us, but uh, it's, it's taught me a lot about the debt situation and that these things really aren't in our hands. I'm a control freak. I like to have control over what's going on and find solutions, like you said, fixing problems. But this thing is so out of our hands, and I mean, it has depleted a lot of what we were hoping to live off of for the next couple of years. But, you know, we, we keep going back to that fact that he's going to provide. Somehow, some way, he's going to be fine. We got, we got to this point pretty good believing in him. Why aren't we going to believe in him again just because we're in a rough patch right now? So, I, But I'm with her. The debt thing, now that we talk about it more and I listen to what she says, it makes complete sense to me. And I, I don't enjoy being enslaved to the dollar, number one, or to somebody else. Yeah, for, for this one, this is important to me because it was – I learned a lot in this past – five years, uh, maybe, maybe it's 10 years, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but we had a moment where, I mean, I've, I've read this, I've taught on money and, and just knowing the power of debt, but I haven't felt the power of debt. I didn't know I was feeling the power of debt. And I remember when we, um, we were doing the study and we were choosing different money things to take the church through. We were looking at Crown Financial, we were looking at... Um, uh, Dave Ramsey, and, and we did a combination of several of those. And there's like over 2,000 verses on money in the Bible. So I'm reading through all of those, and you just keep hearing this come up over and over again. And we were in this situation where we had to make a decision um, where, you know, high finance would tell you, don't sell this thing, but keep it because it'll, it's, it's great for the long term. But yet that just kept sticking in my head. And I was like, okay, I'm going to trust God's word here. It says over and over again in different ways that, that I'm a slave to the lender. And so we had this situation where even though in high finance says to, to keep that debt, we, we paid off that debt. Uh, we had, you have to make sacrifices to do that, right? It's not like anyone has a bunch of money. Like, oh, yeah, sure. So we made the sacrifices to pay off that debt. And the day that it happened, I was like, oh, that's what I was carrying. You don't, I didn't even know that it was there until it was gone. And when that moment came, when that was paid off, I felt that release. And, you know, you say this weight on your shoulder. It literally felt like a weight, and it was gone. And I didn't know the weight was even there until it was gone. So that's just an experience thing for me. Because I've heard it, you can hear it, but until you go through it. So now, that's why our cars have 200,000 miles on it. Because I'm like, this is fantastic. We don't, and I'm petrified. I'm like, we got to save up money so we can buy the car with cash so we don't have to go through that debt because I know it's going to be there. But I didn't know it was there until it was gone. Proverbs 22.9 says that the generous will themselves be blessed for they share their food with the poor. Again, this is one of those scriptures where you read it but have you felt this? Have you seen it where in your life, and I know you're not going to say, well, we're very generous people, so no one is expecting that. I'm kind of putting you in an awkward position. 
But in that moments where you've made the decision to make sacrifices, to be generous, where you give it to someone or to some cause or to something and you're not keeping it, is it true that you're blessed? And that word blessed doesn't mean just you feel better. It means that there's a sense of joy and a sense of wholeness and completeness as if things are the way they're supposed to be. Have you felt that or seen that in, in your marriage or in your own life? One of the areas that um, I think this proverb speaks volumes to us is that at the end of each year, we all have tremendous opportunities to support different ministries or different uh, nonprofits. And years ago, Janet and I started taking uh, an evening toward the uh, end of December and sit down and decide on how much we want to give to each one of these different um, opportunities. And I'll tell you, at first time or two, it was kind of difficult because it's like we're, we're paying out a lot of money that we might not have had or that we felt that was, well, we could have this. We could be putting this into our savings. But over the years, we've continued to kind of practice this giving. And I would tell you that every time we do it, every December, whatever it is, that we finish doing it, there's such joy. There's such gratefulness that, number one, that we had it to give in the first place, but number two, that we were able to hopefully, through our giving, bless others. So the more you try to give away, I guess, it's not necessarily are we looking to be blessed, but we're giving blessings to others and being blessed because of it. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of our, our take on it. I think for our family, <clears throat> um, there's a lot of times when I'm like, dude, wow, that's a lot of money that <laughs> we're giving away. But um, I know that we've been on both ends of this because we were involved in a nonprofit that <clears throat> we, you know, that was our income. And um, so I think for us, it's, uh, it, for me, 100%, it's totally a blessing. But we have to take yourself out of the situation and realize that um, that this is what God calls us to do. And we made a decision, you know, in our marriage that this is what we're going to do, and we've always done it. No matter how much income was coming in, we always made. And this, again, money for, uh, for us, I'm being a really respectful wife, and I love the Lord, and I'll do whatever he asks us to do. But it's really hard for me. Because obviously, me personally, if I pulled God and Boog out of the equation, I don't know if I would be giving as much. I mean, I'm a giving person, but... I probably wouldn't be as respectful of, of what this is, but because I follow the Lord and because I love my husband, this is a no-brainer for our family, and we are committed to it, and it's totally a blessing because we know the ministries that we're giving to, and, and also, I mean, it's just, it's important. It's really important. So, I don't know. I don't know if that answers the question, but it's, again, all of these things aren't easy. <laughs> but they're important, and the Lord totally promises that he will bless you if we follow what he asks us to do, and I've seen the blessings of it because we worked for a nonprofit, but I've also seen it in giving as well. Proverbs 23.4 says, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. It robs them of life. Have you experienced that? Have you felt that? Um, where you I just need, like, has money caused this, has it caused tension in your marriage? Um, has it caused tension in your relationships? Has it caused, how, how have you seen this be true? We answered some of it, so maybe you don't have anything to add to it, but 
Have you felt that? Because when I see that proverb, that seems to have feelings in it. It robs them of life. Like, that's such a powerful statement, being robbed of life. Have you experienced that? Sorry, I keep talking on this You're one. You're good. <laughs> um, I see this very true with Boog. He's very conscious and aware of where our money goes. And um, I think it was like six, Karis was, I don't think Karis was here, so it was probably eight years ago. We went to a Love and Respect conference, which was awesome. And part of that was how we respect our husbands for the wives. And it was really challenging for me because a big part of how I respect Boog is how I spend money and how I, I deal with our finances. And so um, when I blow it, which I do a lot, I can see the life kind of coming out of Boog, and that's not showing him the kind of respect that he deserves for me because I'm not doing what makes him, you know, feel filled up, and that's honoring the budget that we made as a couple and sticking to it. And so, um, again, this is another thing that we really just, I personally have to really consciously think about because it's just a no-brainer. Oh, let's just go out to dinner. Oh, let's just <laughs> go do this. But that is very hard for Boog because... To him, he's thinking of like, what about this person that we could be giving the money to? Or what about this savings account that we need to fill up? Or whatever. So I, a lot of times, are, am doing things as far as money goes because I want to be respectful to my husband and not be greedy and do it because, well, that's, I'm just going to do it because that's, no, who cares? But it's important to book. And so um, it's really important in every relationship, that you honor what's important to them and you're not thinking of yourself. And if it's not important to me, which to me it's not as big of a deal, but to him it is. And so, um, and when we do things that are hurtful like that, maybe it doesn't seem hurtful, but it is to him, it's just, it does. It kind of sucks the life out of something. And instead of communicating or saying, I'd like to do this, does this work, and not just going and doing it anyway. I'm telling you, this is like a constant daily struggle, though, so it's like easy or anything. <laughs> and when Steph's saying that, it reminds me when she's, like, I was w looking for responses from you guys. Um, and, no, and then as she was speaking, it reminded me of the exercise that Janet had us do where I looked at her outfit and Steph, you know, two different perspectives of the same situation. They're both accurate. And there's a balance there. Because we do need to have, we, we are taking care of the Lord's money, and we do receive that joy when we're generous, but at the same time, he's given it to us to use. And we had this experience where, um, so teachers, they get the summers off for the most part, and then um, a pastor is like a professor, we get sabbaticals. So we don't get the summers off, but as a pastor, every five years, we get a sabbatical to take either between three and six months off and to refresh and to get perspective so that you don't. Um, fall apart. And so we, we've been able to do that once. And when we went, um, someone gave us a place to stay. And we're in Hawaii. And we're going to the grocery store just to buy food. And then I did the, the book freak out. Oh, my gosh. And I'm freaking out. And we're like it's a week. It's kind of expensive there. Yeah. We're like a week and a half in. And, and I'm, it's becoming kind of the theme is this is just too expensive. Blah, 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 blah. And calmly with a gentle answer um, in perfection. We're sitting on this beach and, and we're eating um, 
something and it had the number, it had the actual price from the grocery store, so it must have been fish. And, and she just says, you know, it is going to be expensive, but God has given us this gift to come and to rest. And if we keep stressing and worrying over every little thing, then we're robbing, and she used the word robbing, and that's why I just remembered it right now when she was sharing. It's going to rob us of this gift that God's given us to come and to rest. We can't keep stressing about it. It just is what it is. This is where we're at, and this is what it costs to live here. And so we can keep freaking out about it, or we can just accept it. And it was, it was almost, oh, I don't even know what the words are. It's just like, oh. And if I hadn't listened, if we hadn't got to that point where I realized that she's smarter than me, then I would have missed that. And so it is, it is a balance. All right, let's move to my favorite one, sex. Let's get to it. Um, Proverbs 27.5. And so obviously we're not going to be talking about the act of sex. That's for a very more intimate setting. Um, but the importance of sex and intimacy in a marriage. And I want us to address the reality, is this something that we should wait for? Because many of you are dating or you're not married right now. And it's like, oh, well, I think the Bible says this, but, but Why? Why? So we'll deal with it in the relationship, and then we'll talk about should you wait to have sex to when you're married. Um, Proverbs 27.5 says, better is open re- rebuke than hidden love. And the part I want to focus on for that proverb, because there's so many, but that, the idea of hidden love, which means you have love, but you're not sharing it. Um, how have you seen how affection and intimacy and, and physical touch, because they all work together, Obviously, we're talking about more than just physical pleasure here. We're talking about that love. Why, why is it so important? Why is this something that we should include and not leave out? Because none of you said, oh, why don't we just leave this one out? It's really not that important. Why is it important? Why is, why is it important that love is not hidden, but that it's there to be seen? You expected the silence, didn't you? I, I expected the silence. <laughs> I can feel this whole time. I'm not afraid. I will talk sex all day long. Um, I think early on in our marriage and our relationship, I think it was more of an approval. Like, wow, she digs me. You know, she wants to be intimate with me. I made it. We're good. But, uh, you know, throughout the years, I think it's, it's the, it, and having kids and, you know, the situation and just living life, it's now that's the one ultimate moment that we can have just her and I on a different plane and in a different planet and a different you know, realm of reality. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just, just so you guys know, the heater is not on right now. That's... But, that's, you know, just the daily life is a grind, but for, for however long it takes, you get to just separate from life itself and actually be connected to that person that you love so much. And, I mean, I think with the love and in our relationship and the, the respect we have for each other now, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. And without it, there would be nothing to look forward to. <laughs> I got to hear Corey's response to all of that. <laughs> His words are always, why don't we do that more often? <laughs> That's all I've got. (laughs) It's important. It is. It's very important. I know when he, and this is so funny because 
When he is absolutely grumpy, mad, angry, can't even talk to him when he's just like, shuts down, I go, I know exactly what you need. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it is like a light switch. Right, ladies? It's a light, it's a light switch. Good figure of it's speech. It's amazing. I'm like, wow. His outlook, everything has changed. Um, and I don't find it's a duty, but I do. As a, as a wife, I feel like we have so much more that we could be doing. Um, <laughs> no, I meant like on a schedule basis. We have a lot we could be doing, right? But we have to take that time because their worth is, is it's attached to sex. How much we love them is attached to sex. There's a lot with you guys. It's attached to sex. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes it's just a duty that we, as a wife, you know, we need to fulfill. And, and, um, and it turns out like it's actually enjoyable. And then you're like, gosh, that was, that was, that was great. <laughs> I'll stop now, I'll stop. Yeah, I was like, yes. <laughs> I, I like what, um, I like what both of them said, because the beauty of Jeff and Corey is they're just gonna tell it like it is. <laughs> And we need to say that, right? Like, I could think of people saying, well, you can't talk about this in church. Why not? This is real life. This is what we should be dealing with. And one of the things that Corey says, it, 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 and guys are designed this way, it makes you feel worthy. It's not about the physical act. That's, right? It's, it's that sense of worth. And in the same way, a, a, a couple needs, you need to know in the dating relationship that the other person cares about what matters to you. Because it might not be sex for them. It might be something else. One of the things we talk about all the time, it was a great book, and it's, it's not from the Bible, but there's a lot of truth to it. It's the five love languages. And it goes through these different ways that people feel love. For some, it's physical touch. It's not sex when they say that, by the way. Physical touch means just like, have your hand, like put your hand on them or run, rub your hand through their hair. And some of you are like, that is so not me. Um, and then other people, the gift, the, 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 their love language is gifts. And when they receive that, they feel worthy and loved and, and cared for. Or it's acts of service. When you clean the house, that is so sexy because I feel so loved. And you're like, what? Clean? It's, it's acts of service, what? Um, so acts of service, quality time. Just spend time with me. If, if you're just with me, I feel so loved and worth. Um, which one am I missing? Acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, words of encouragement. Gifts and words of affirmation. So words of affirmation, just encouraging words make you feel like you can fly um, when they, when they it, male or female. And then gifts, you know, like, oh, thank you so much for getting that present to me. I feel so valuable. And here's the craziest thing. And we've seen this play itself out over and over and over again. Um... You, we've kind of played out and, and gotten naked before you, so to speak, and shared, you know, our financial stuff and our, our, the way we're different, the way we look at a situation differently. And so as you could imagine, gifts, I'm like, what's the point? I mean, are you going to get it? And then it's going to get old and it's going to fall apart. What's the point? Well, guess what? The hardest thing for me to do is the thing that makes her feel loved most. So I got no excuses. I have to figure this out because that makes her feel loved. 
Um, and then, you know, of course, she shared, hey, you know, when it comes to the budget stuff, I'm going to work at that because I know it makes Boog feel loved. This is, this is about caring for the people, putting the other person first. And when we get to these, these ideas of intimacy, we have to understand each other. We have to speak to each other so that we can care for each other. Unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of time left. So um, any other thoughts that you guys wanted to add to this? This is your perfect excuse since I said we're running out of time to, to skip it. But if you have something you think is important for them to hear, you have that opportunity. Okay, I do. So some family members might want to put their fingers in their ears and go la, 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 la. Okay. <laughs> you related Landris, leave now. <laughs> okay, one thing that um, I can say is there's a difference between sex and making love, a big difference. And just like you said, guys need it. And it took us a long time to realize that you need both. And um, so it took us a long time to vocalize that to each other, to really understand it. And sometimes it came around when we realized that, um, he can say, I just need sex. I'm like, all right, great, I can do that. I don't have to pretend anything else. Right now, all he needs is sex, so right. you need both. Um, we have one more topic, and I want to make sure we hit it. It's faith. Um, Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord, or your faith, your, your knowing God, um, is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And the question is, is faith for a dating couple, for a married couple, for a divorced person, for wherever stage people are at, is, have you seen in your marriage that faith is important? I know it's like kind of a loaded question at church, like you're supposed to answer a certain way, but how have you seen that really play itself out in a practical way? Well, I think when we first got married and dating, I, I grew up in the church Corey really didn't, um, but at the point we met, we weren't really like heavy into the faith. Uh, it was kind of on the outskirts of our relationship. And as we, you know, as we're growing in our relationship, everything's going great. It, we never really talked about it. You know, it was kind of in the back of our minds. And uh, uh, we go through our first pregnancy with our first daughter, have some issues. We, we battle through it. Uh, everything's okay. And then she, she, believe it or not, she gave birth to triplets. But it wasn't until we were presented an option that we didn't feel knowledgeable enough about. I mean, we had all the scientific knowledge and, and doctors and, uh, and things like that because it was a complicated pregnancy. But when they presented us with this, this option, we both kind of looked at each other like, oh, dude, this is like way above anything we could imagine trying to make this uh, decision because they're throwing numbers at us. You know, emotions are involved, and uh, luckily we had some time to think about it. Um, but, you know, it, it was a, kind of a spur of the moment where she kind of shot out of bed in the middle of the night and said, it's in God's hands. He's going to give us what we can handle. And I think from that point on, for us, is when faith really entered the picture because uh, we didn't realize it the first time when uh, Mia was sick. You know, we, we took full credit for her being, being okay. <laughs> But uh, with the triplets and that whole pregnancy, we knew that that was just way above anything that we knew we could handle. So we put it in, the, in God's hands. And I think from that day forward, it's really been a, uh, it, it's, it's been on the forefront. And uh, 
uh, we've been good for it ever since. So it can be, it can't, it, it cannot be there in the beginning because we understood we loved each other. But I think from that day forward, faith has become a huge part of our life. And uh, even a couple of years later, we did that uh, Bible study where we understood it's not about making the other person happy. It's about serving God. And as soon as we put God in the forefront of our relationship, we've been able to communicate a lot better and love each other a lot more freer. I think that, um, well, I think this is true for any person or relationship or anything, but I think that, that Jeff touched on a really big thing is that when things come up, because they will, challenging things, <clears throat> I think they're a lot harder when you have no faith. And um, challenging things are going to happen regardless in your marriage, in your relationships, and friendships, and things like that, in your lives personally. Um, but man, I'm so grateful that we have, we've had faith and that we were able to go through some really hard things and he was able to be there to get us through it because we wouldn't have been able to, I don't think, as a family and as a couple. Um, so I honestly, I think it comes to the very simple communication part of this whole message is that without faith in God in your heart, you're going to treat people differently. Um, you're going to love differently and you're going to be different. Um, and I'm really glad I have God in my heart because I would not be a very nice person if I didn't. <laughs> you know, so, and I feel like just everything is so much better when you make that decision to have faith in your marriage. And I think Jeff touched on another really good thing. It doesn't matter if you don't start with it in your marriage, but um, it's really, really awesome if you put it inside of it. So. It's wise in marriage to always let your spouse have the last word. So I'll give her the last word on that. Um, we only have a couple minutes left, so about 10 seconds each, one piece of advice. And so that's what the Proverbs are. It's, it's adults who care for their children, and they're trying to share this wisdom, and generationally speaking. So you have all of these Proverbs, and so um, there's wisdom here at different stages of life, but you make enough mistakes, that's how you get wisdom. And so in dating, if you... Uh, 10 second, 15 second response, one piece of advice. It doesn't have to rhyme and sound really good like a proverb, but one, one proverb of wisdom that you would pass on to someone that is dating or is going to date um, and isn't married, what, what piece of advice would you give? Just one piece. And we'll just go down the line. If you don't have one, you can go whatever they said. I would definitely say pray. Um, God knows who your mate is. And um, he'll bring them to you. So. I'm not sure that I, it's been so long since I've dated, I don't know that I have an answer. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I love what you said. Um, just pray about it. It's what I do with everything, um, and it, it will come to you. I, uh, I think seeking it is great and being open minded. Um, and, uh, yeah, pray. <laughs> um, for me, it would just be listen. Listen to your heart, number one. Listen to the word, and listen to what that other person you're dating is saying, because looking back, if I would have listened a little bit more, I would, probably would have realized what kind of person that person actually was. Um, hmm. 
I think that it's important to be willing to be sometimes obedient when you don't want to. I think that um, God has intention for us sometimes, and sometimes we don't want to do what he asks us to do, but we have to do something different. And um, sometimes that means loving someone that might be different or, um, I don't know, I just feel like we have been challenged to, to go out and do things and, and be an example. And I think when you start doing that, maybe serving in a certain way, that God will bring someone that has that same heart that you do. Um, sometimes I feel like in dating relationships, we look for a certain type of person that we think we need, but we're not really like looking at what God might have an intention for us, and it could be this incredible gift that we don't even know is right in front of us. If you could join me by standing, and I'm going to close this in prayer. And I want to close with um, us coming back to God's Word. God's Word says that His Word, His Word spoken to us, the, the Scriptures and His Word spoken to us is a lamp unto our feet, which is another way to say a flashlight in the dark when you don't know where you're going. And in, I'd reached this point in dating in my life where I just, I realized, okay, I don't get this. I don't know what I'm doing. And then my family's littered with divorce. So I said, Lord, I'm gonna look into your word and you gotta give me advice. And then I found Proverbs 31. And then the, the word of God is filled with wisdom on the kind of woman and the kind of man to look for, the kind of man to be, the kind of woman to be, and who to look for. And the moment that I started praying through that, then when I met Stephanie, I was like, oh, there's that woman that God's word has talked about. We need to reach that point, all of us, when we will determine to trust in God more than ourselves. to really have, that's what the fear of the Lord is. It doesn't mean to be afraid. It means to trust. And so let me pray for us in that. Father, I ask that your word that um, these Proverbs, that Corinthians, that book of John, the words of Jesus, that you would build in us a hunger for your word, a hunger to seek you. Because I know that if we do that, that we will have life and life to the full. So we ask for that blessing, that hunger in our heart. We ask that for our children, for all the kids in the back, that you would place in them a hunger to hear from you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen.